Welcome to Beltalota, the officially unofficial podcast for The Expanse on Amazon Prime. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 8, titled Hard Vacuum. Big titled Colossal Suck. No. <laughs> <laughs> if this was Walking Dead, I would definitely be making those jokes and be serious about it. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I like this episode. What do you think about it? Yeah, this episode is... I, I was delighted. There's a couple points where I was delighted. Like, number one, um, I was thinking, like, God, how's Naomi going to get this out of the situation? Like, you know, everyone, uh, everyone, quote unquote, watched her jump out of the airlock and launch herself towards the ship um, and make this like one in a million chance to uh, free herself. And she's right next to one of the most powerful warships in the solar system. How will she ever escape? It never occurred to me that people just interpreted that as a her dying you know like she just it's like yeah. this is the 21st century equivalent of someone jumping out of an airplane do you assume that they're glide, going to glide successfully to another air that's even not even the same comparison because you know you won't die necessarily stepping outside of an airplane in, in a split second you might in, in deep space so and the way it kind of like they all the main characters that's kind of like Naomi's desperation move right to throw herself out of an airlock she almost did it before she finally fucking did it and the one guy who saw what she's actually doing died with her so I was like okay that's pretty clever I I had like overthought the situation and then it was kind of frustrating because I couldn't for the life of me figure out what the fuck she was trying to do. I'm like, oh, she's going to record a new message and, and, and hijack the thing and send it over. When that didn't work out, I'm like, I, is she trying to do Morse code? And it really wasn't until the credit sequence that beat it into my head that she had sliced up the, the, the image or the, the, the transmission to send a new signal. So I thought that, and I thought that was really clever mm-hmm. um, and kind of brave to leave, leave the audience that far outside of what the protagonist is doing. Um, so you can feel extra smart when you figure it, you know, whenever you figure it out um, on subsequent watches, I started really noticing what I considered the artificiality of the situation and Hmm. the chain smoker seemed like it was designed as an escape room just for Naomi Nagata to eventually escape and less of an actual situation that some terrorist band would, would contrive. I don't know if that's actually true. I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing it with you, but like it, I, the, the, the episode is a, a, a couple notches below after that. Everything else is fine. You know, um, I you know the 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 real politics stuff, seeing this stuff spiral out of control, seeing Avasarala being kind of like the voice for calm and not escalation for once was was interesting. Um, and I, I I really thought that uh, you know the work that Dominique Tripper did with Naomi, not having anyone else to act off of, like she was in her own little bottle episode in in an in, in, in another episode was really good. Uh, yeah. the, the, the stuff where drummers dealing with their trauma was all good. I, so I enjoyed it. I just said that the second time through, I thought, oh, man, this just feels a little constructed. What do you think? I, I don't know if it's because um, this happens roughly the same way in the book. And so I, I you know, kind of knew what's going through her head. And I knew, like, that this was going to happen, that I didn't feel like mm-hmm. the artificiality around it. Because to me, this all just made a lot of sense. Right. And they, you put anybody else on that ship and they're not getting out of it. But Naomi Nagata, yeah, the engineer, true. the you know the 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 incredible talent is getting out of this, um, and and you know not not just getting herself out of this, which is the cool part, but also saving everyone on the Rossi, like <laughs> saving the entire crew. Um, yeah, and and everybody we care about in the show, except for maybe Avis Frala and uh, Amos. 
So I, yeah, I don't know. I, I saw it coming and maybe that let me kind of sit back and relax a little bit more. I, I was curious how they were going to film this because it is all in her head, right? Like the whole sequence in the book is just we're inside her head. We hear what she's thinking. Uh, we, we have that insight in here. I, I think it's telling that you said, oh, well, they, it took until we got to the credits to really even tell what she was doing. Uh, that that makes perfect sense to me because I don't know that I would have understood it without uh, that that foreknowledge of what was going to happen there. So mm. I think they did a great job filming that sequence, which I think is a hard sequence to communicate what's going on, right? Like, oh, she's between the holes. Oh, there's no oxygen in there. She has just right. the oxygen that's in her suit each time she goes in there and she has to come back to f- refill on it. Yeah, all yeah, that yeah. stuff like there's so much going on with just the the atmospheric stuff there um the environmental stuff that it, it takes a lot of uh thinking I, I think to to really communicate that yeah and, and um i think that they've done enough showing between the hulls work that you've seen amos go between the ross and auntie hull to affect stuff that you kind of yeah. know that this is kind of a good note like a, a demilitarized zone a no man zone and i you know from my previous reading of tom clancy it's how they build military submarines you have a pressure hull mm-hmm. and then you have an outer hull that's like armor and you know contains equipment and stuff that is usually flooded with it's not designed to be watertight so it gets flooded and so like i understood immediately oh she's going between the like pressure hull that has to keep, you know, has to be airtight yeah. uh, versus the outer hull, which has to stop <laughs> PDC rounds and torpedoes and micrometeor bridge, stuff like that. Um, and that made perfect sense. But I, I nice. you're okay. right. Like a lot. I think a lesser show would have Naomi just talking to herself a lot more. Yeah. She'd yeah. be like, think, think, think. I need tools. I need wires. <laughs> I need to strip a, a speaker that I can use as a microphone. Where, where, where can I find it? And this is just she has to, you know, you, you just have to kind of go along. And it, it felt very we just did Castaway, the, tw- the 20th anniversary of Castaway. And a lot of the chain smoker sequences feels very much like just watching Tom Hanks figure shit out like in like go back to his old Boy Scout days and figure out how to make fire um, you don't Nate necessarily understand everything but like enough that you can kind of feel clever along with her that's that's it's a great way to tell the story and when she is talking to herself it's it's all about like the getting the rhythm of the message down so that she can right you know be be ready to to splice it up at the end like the the, the parts where she's talking to herself make sense that she would be talking to herself it's it's right. not just uh, for the audience sake uh, and then you, you know you look at like Avasarala and her stuff this episode with uh, Pastor. Is that his name? David Pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, you know, you talked about how, oh, it, well, there's Delgado too, right? He's like the other guy in this equation who is kind of the new Aaron Wright, right? She's like, mm. you mentioned her occasionally being the voice of reason. I think the other time she was is way back in season one, if you remember, when they were going to do like the the strike on uh mars's gun platforms or whatever it was uh and aaron and i was pushing for that right and and the the president whose name i can't remember or the secretary general at that time sandoval was that his was that his name that yeah. sounds rightish i don't know uh yeah uh-huh. but aaron Wright was pushing him you know we got to make this strike and if we don't get them all and uh it'll, it'll be a problem and she was kind of pushing for calm hey let's not rush into this you know She's been in this situation before. I feel like lately she's been sort of out of that situation of like being the voice of reason of trying to calm things down uh, when hotter heads are sort of 
pushing violence and here she's right back into it and and delgado when he goes into pastor's office and is just like we need to we need to kill these people and and i don't care that it's gonna look bad i don't it, it, there there's a yeah. certain like amount of vengeance that he wants for, like revenge for what marco's done you know he he claims to be impartial and like oh this is just you know what i think we need to do but you can feel it you can feel it in his voice that he's very angry uh mm-hmm. and i don't know what pastor's gonna do man i the speech at the beginning both uh i was both impressed and worried by that speech that he gives because he's so good at it and he whips up this crowd and and then he walks in that hallway and i'm thinking oh god he's turned a corner now he's the evil aaron right who's you know gonna be out for blood but then he he just kind of turns back into the david pastor we knew before that speech so i don't know man We'll see how that goes, but Avicerola might have to be yeah. the voice of reason for a little while here. <laughs> Probably. Should we get into the recap? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We begin this episode with Amos and Claire e-biking their way towards supposed safety in Baltimore. I don't know. Someone mentioned that in the live watch last Sunday that because I was saying motorcycles and they're like they're bicycles and I thought they were just being funny. But no, these are some kind of e-moped that they're that they're using. Oh, um, yeah. That has, you can get these downtown has, in any major city right now. They're the what are they called? Uh, Bluebirds or something? Uh, are they? No. I, I haven't seen the e-bikes. I've seen the the scooters, but I haven't seen the e-bikes. Yeah, so it's, it's both. These are a thing and they're taking them slowly, gingerly through the muck and the mud. Uh, where obviously there's been some kind of tsunami uh, that swept through and out. Uh, you know, I would have loved to see them on scooters. Like, th- that would have been pretty hilarious. Yeah, especially if they have, like, these big blue kind of, like, scooter helmets, you know, like UN oh, issued. Yeah. Uh, those those baby blue, robin egg blue uh, helmets. Big o- pretty cool. off-road tires on these stupid scooters. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's cool. If you run out of juice, you can always pedal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the important things here is that Claire sees a ship blasting off, uh, which gives her the idea that she'll inform later to like where you can go to find a, apparently a treasure trove of these suborbital um, capable ships. Uh, they take. What do you think of the dueling pissers? I was gonna say I thought you buried the lead here, but yeah, the, the pissing is so weird. Like there are trees around, Claire. You're not uh-huh. at least a you little. Lean up. Yeah. Yeah, you can lean up. My my uh, my wife was just like, I don't know if that's the way to do, but you know, I don't know. She's taking she's taking a power squat piss. Uh, the streams were invisible in the kind of low res mm-hmm. uh, uh, review copies we get. I I'm assuming there'll be dueling streams. Oh uh, yeah, I saw the dueling streams. I, I did you? Where you was saw, I watching it? I, I saw I saw a little bit of Amos's, but like the Claire's was just yeah, it's just pixel is just a pixelated mess. So yeah, can't wait to see that in in, in 4K, baby. Oh, oh yeah, that's the what they made 4K know. for. Piss dreams. 
This <laughs> exactly. Uh, she's remarkably better this episode. She says the blo- the blockers must have flushed her uh, out of her system. Her senses are sharp again. She can taste, smell, uh, focus. Um, and uh, she she eats this protein bar with gusto. And she acts like a dog that's got butter, that's got that's got peanut butter stuck to the roof of her mouth. And I swear to God, I was just waiting for her to accidentally trigger that stuff, just just clean it. <laughs> mm, 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 I said, there's a lot of protein there. <laughs> peanut butter oh, chocolate, huh? You know, it's like so suddenly she goes into Super Saiyan mode and she's worthless for another twenty four hours. But that didn't happen. Instead. Mm-hmm. Her increased uh, senses picked up, I guess, the smell of decaying old people. And, you know, here is the illustration of the churn. Uh, This is an old folks home who apparently lost power. Well, then apparently like a lot of shit went bad and uh, they, I I guess, abandoned their boat or just just didn't have time to do it. They just fled, fled the building and tried to. You know, keep these people as I don't know what you're supposed to make of this. This is some Walking Dead shit that you run, you're running into here. What do you think? Yeah, um, I, I think they're like, man, they're really slow playing the effects of the the rocks. You know, like I, I thought a few episodes ago we were going to start to really see more about it. Like, okay, how how bad off is Earth? Um, I guess we haven't had much of a window into that. If if we were going to have it, it'd come probably through Avasarala, but she's been so focused on, you know, the, the quest for Marco here um, that we just haven't seen much of her. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know at this point, like my, why did these people die? Um, I, I can't remember if they say specifically that the power was out, but obviously like they're going to be, I just think that the power would food have to issues. be out of- if you're going to have like some kind of tsunami, you know, rip through uh, the eastern seaboard that like you'd have massive loss of power. And but of course, I don't know what right. the 24th century power generation and transmission capabilities are like. But uh, I saw a lot of solar panels up on the roofs of uh, Baltimore yeah. buildings. So I imagine there are some buildings that still have power. Um, on the other hand, we also know that the sun's putting out uh, roughly as much light as the moon. So right. that's probably not going to provide full power for sure. Yeah. Um, but they're really slow playing it. And then these deaths are kind of like the symptom, the symptom, I guess, but not really like, what is the problem here? Is, is the power out? Is there, is there like massive food store destruction? Um, is it just a breakdown of the, the governmental systems and and like so many of those people died that like their organization is off. What is it? Um, I would like to know more about that, I think, before the end of the season. But we're only two episodes from the end. I'm not sure we're going to get a ton well, more so by the uh, by Apparently, the on the Ty and Some Guy podcast, which is the thing that, uh, um, you know, one of the, the book creators and showrunners, um, plus Amos, uh, West Chatham, uh, do, uh, they mentioned that they are uh, in-universe being cagey about the damage. And I think that's wise. Like you probably don't want to broadcast to the belt, uh, like like you, you know, into the the Mars, per, per, perhaps that like we're really massively fucked here. We have a complete biosphere collapse, et cetera, et cetera. But it is frustrating because like you know we saw like kind of a nuclear winter situation. We saw these massive tidal waves that had to, like all those people just milling around Baltimore have to be just dead. Like they're talking about millions of dead, but like. You'd think hundreds of millions if 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 the impacts yeah. are like what we saw or like you know because we just mentioned yesterday that Earth has a, a, a population 
of uh well i guess earth and luna have a population of 24 billion people like there's just the population density is fucking insane yeah especially in these places that got hit so like i yeah i i i guess i'm just taking it for granted that earth is permafucked and we're gonna slowly find out about it well i think not knowing um is sort of undermining the scene with eric and amos later where like they're trying to convince Mm -hmm. him that the world is fucked and there is nothing for him in baltimore because we haven't seen that right like we've seen a couple of dead people we've seen a couple of uh, forests devastated if the sun is blotted out and there's snow landing in like the summer Mm-hmm. that's like those those situations aren't going to clean th- those are not going to like just resolve like weather you know like that's a that's going well, to the be... show has never said that right like I, I sure i know that from like researching things um but mm-hmm. i i don't think that like in general people understand what a nuclear winter is um mm-hmm. and and what kind of effects that would have on the the biosphere here in general that's fair for talking about general watching population. Um, but I also know that like Dan and Ty do the research too. So it's oh, like, sure. if yeah. you want to, yeah, if you like, in fact, it would be a problem for me if like four of these asteroids hit and they're showing the things that they're showing. And then it turns out, Oh, actually earth is fine. I mean, I guess they could right. come up with some kind of like, Oh, we've got some kind of chemical we can spray in the atmosphere that will collect heavier than air particles from the upper ozone and pull them down. And like, you know, within a year we can get back to normal kind of thing mm-hmm. because it is in the future. And they do have the capacity to over 100 years terraform mars well earth isn't as fucked up as mars no you know so like maybe you can in a year to get it back to normal like terraform earth to be back to terra like conditions but yeah i think they've gone too far of showing me that it's there is dev there is that kind of devastation to like walk it back but okay. i don't know because the asteroids were pretty small too and but but yeah so maybe it's more local it's it's regional blotting out of the sun and not quite global um yeah, we'll have to see. Uh on board Marco's flagship, the Pella, we receive confirmation that Sin is dead. That's one of the things that opened into questions we had last episode, and it was definitively shown that he is not. Um what do you think about this scene? Uh first of all, the Pella is just a really good looking ship. Uh you know, we talk about those, the Rossi all the time, but those Martians, man. It it looks like I don't even know what to say. It looks like a lightsaber hilt. Uh, it's it's got this like industrial. It looks like a Blade Runner skyscraper. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. It, it's really cool looking. Um, Clean lines, symmetrical. Yeah, a little uh, bit more finished. It's almost like uh, the fusion of German engineering and Italian styling, kind of. You know, like they got Mars okay. has got got it all. They don't they don't have to sacrifice uh, <laughs> fundamentals to get good looks. But yeah, I like yeah. the Martian aesthetic a lot for sure. Uh, I guess the clean lines that I'm not seeing here are the lines between Sin dying and uh, Philip killing him that Marco tries to draw here. I, like when he says, you know, she didn't kill him. You did. I, I'm like, really? Is this man? How manipulatable is Philip? Because I don't see the connection here. Like, okay, yes, he let he let Naomi live, and she went out of the airlock. But Sin let her live just as much. He killed himself. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the like the original sin is Philip taking his mom hostage so she wouldn't die on the Rasinante. And like, you know, that's that's a true statement. Sure. And it's also not very helpful. 
Um, but it's all. It, but it is useful for Marco to continue to have control over a son, to continue yeah. that guilt shame engine, to make him, you know, like redouble his efforts to prove himself to his father and to the people of the belt. So I just want Philip to call bullshit on this whole thing one time, and I it's I, he will eventually, and it's going to be glorious. I think uh, might get I'll him see. killed, but it'll it'll probably feel feel real good as an audience. Um, I mean, it felt great like when said, Sin did it. So Philip doing it would probably yeah. feel double great. Yeah, and and this I like I said this is the scene where like I was all geared up like you know arms crossed eyes narrowed how are you going to get Naomi out of this situation and I'm like oh they assume she's dead mm-hmm. oh yeah of course they would <laughs> right. of course she did like a thirty second long spacewalk and this is kind of like you know like uh, uh, she she threatened to do this before everyone kn- knew it it was the plot point from last episode and why would they assume that she was able now like I do think okay and there's no you know it's not like the, the whole crew is at windows the ship doesn't even have windows I do wonder like really no one tracked her body and saw that it you know they got this they got this other ship wired for all this kind of tampering devices which doesn't really make sense to in the context of this episode but they don't have a oh shit someone opened the airlock sensor you know like the like the ship the the, the ship is slave to them but they don't get all the information that it's providing like it i think you're supposed to not notice those things and just watch the episode and get consumed in how fucking die hard cool Naomi is doing all this MacGyver shit but as i'm going to like lay out like the, my first my first reaction is wow this is really cool and i can't even believe i thought this would be a problem because like this is a near miraculous escape attempt and it just looks on the surface like she kills herself for sure uh, yeah so that 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 actually really really worked out well i think I think so too. And boy, uh, that that scene where they show her again. Holy shit, she is fucked up. <laughs> like a, yeah, when she gets on board the chain smoker, Naomi, we find out she has definitely survived, but she's in very bad shape and she surveys what she has to work with to escape her situation, which turns out to be not much. Yeah. Um, uh they do a great uh prosthetics and makeup job here. Uh the the, the swelling of the hands, the the, the bursting of all the capillaries and her eyes and face and mm-hmm. you know th- there's there's just like <laughs> there's a moment where she just like wakes up and screams or something like mm-hmm. it's a man I, I can't imagine the trauma that your body goes through uh, being in space but th- this was another thing where I was like oh how are they gonna show this are they are they gonna really just make her look like a zombie and yeah they totally do yeah, she's fucked up. And as far I did a little bit of research, and this is kind of consistent with what uh, animal testing. Um, yeah, they've thrown animals in vacuum chambers and watched them die to see what would happen. Uh, and um, evidence based on real like there's been multiple occasions where uh, astronauts have lost partial pressure or complete pressure to segments of their uh, spacesuits. Um, famously, like a Russian lost pressure containment in uh, like from the elbow down and like continued to spacewalk for like 15, 20 minutes because it's fucking Russian. And in fact, there's this one incidence where an American astronaut apparently punctured their their spacesuit with a sharp metal imp- instrument and cut themselves, and they were exposed to vacuum for some time. And eventually, the, the the coagulated blood getting sucked out of the suit like froze and sealed over the patch, aka the the Mark Watney maneuver. Um, and there's also like I think the thing is like people are like, well, why is she screaming in pain? Because she's suffering from what the bins. Like you think of the bins as usually divers going under hot, very high pressure situations and returning to one Earth's atmosphere it's the pressure differential that causes it there's uh, things called shallow water bins where people who have like scuba dived in like 
10 foot of water for a couple of hours and then take an airplane trip the next the same day just to diff the pressure differential between 10 feet under the water and being you know 30,000 foot in sky triggers the bend so she's actually feeling all these these dissolved gases coming out of her joints and it feels like it's described as feeling like like acute arthritis in all of your joints um, so like she's that's why she's so racked with pain in the beginning of this episode she's still kind of returning mm-hmm. to the pressure I think they've exaggerated some of these effects Um, I don't know that you would feel the bins that significantly, especially as soon, you know, being out in space for 30 seconds and then repressurize. I don't know that you would feel it that significantly post repressurization, but it seems like it's all can. It seems like it's all consistent with like the worst of what can happen to you when you're exposed to vacuum. Um, Yeah. And that's what the the uh, stuff later where she, you know, she's trying to lever this uh, grate off the floor and mm -hmm. she's screaming all she's doing it. That's what that's all about, too. Yeah, for sure. And she she looks around and she's not happy with what she sees because she sees smash panels and disabled control panels and these weird red squares wired up all over the place, which we're going to find out are anti tampering systems. Uh, and then overall, she hears a voice. Is that she tr- tracks down? Wait, anti tampering. I thought they were bombs. I thought they were literally just like. She said that Explosives. like all the all the consoles have been disabled or wired with anti or like anti tampering devices. So oh, I, I assume that. there's combinations of uh, you know like the, yeah, the anti tampering is wired to the thing and also a proximity. But why sensor. why would they wire up anti tampering devices if Thank she's not going to be on the ship? Thank you. Uh, that is what doesn't make any fucking sense. Why is there all this precautions taking to keep someone from jacking the ship? Why have they taken the effort to strip this ship down to where no one inside can do anything about it when they didn't expect anyone? That's that's why I'm saying that, like, on second thought, this seems very, very uh engineered this seems very very written to be a naomi escape box instead of just being well okay so what if the plan here um and i'm just speculating because uh uh let's let's pretend i don't know anything uh what if the plan here is to get holden on board the ship because like he thinks naomi is on the ship right so rossi docks holden goes on the ship and then they blow it but it says it's it's wired to a proximity. I mean, Naomi says it's also the mm. it's it's wired to proximity thing. So like, mm. as soon as a ship it seems gets like close you need enough, it'll blow up. One or the other of those things, not both of them. <laughs> right, right. But like, you know, if 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 just like, but I don't even understand why you would take the time to disable the controls of the ship. Like, it seems like again, it's like, well, you never know. Someone might get on here and do something. So better, better smash all these panels and take off all the steering wheels and then 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 wire everything to anti. It's like it really doesn't make much sense. Um, if if what they're wanting yeah. to do is 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 lure holding in here and uh, blow it up. Um, but I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. And if I wasn't taking notes and actually like, wait a second, what did she just say? Did she just say anti-tampering devices? The fuck? Yeah, like, I, I don't. I yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, like I said, I don't think this does torpedoes. And as I said last episode, and I think the feedback section, I'm willing to let a good show do some some plot holes in the service of getting back on the plot. Like I don't I don't let many slip, but you know, almost every great show I've ever seen has an occasional the writers like, well shit, we're over here, we need to get over there. Fuck it. Let's just engage four wheel drive and drive through the drive through the muck like Amos and Claire on their e bikes. Maybe this is it. But 
I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like if if they didn't do all that anti-tampering and all that thing, it, Naomi just gets in there and she's done. Like also like the fact that they'd strip this ship clean to the point that there's not even like a, a ration thing. Like they like they went through this strange ship and pulled literally every tool and toolbox and quick repair kit and every like the only thing they left is like a little sonic screwdriver that fell into the floor panels. Like it, yeah, I don't know. Kind of, kind of strained my suspension of disbelief. Not fatally, but hmm. a little bit. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't have any problem with him stripping down the ship. I, I think that's that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I guess they are belters; they don't want to waste anything. Yeah, they, um, they, they've got look, they've got drummer out on supply runs, scavenging shit. Of course, they're not going to blow up a bunch of supplies, right? Um, yeah, is the just dis- think of like what the effort would be to like go through your average. I don't know. 100 foot long freighter into in, in, in an earth an earth vessel and like get every last wrench and screwdriver off of it like it's not it would be insignificant hurt it'd be a, an amazing amount of effort and this has got to be even more complicated with the different pressure holes and nooks and crannies and access panels and conduits so anyway yeah uh are they broadcasting this uh, distress signal from one of her suits, one of the Chet Smoka suits. Or... It seems like it, yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if she was receiving the signal on that suit or if they were broadcasting from that suit, but it seems like they're, they are, which I thought was a nice little touch. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, well, okay, the, communications. The, the communication is coming from one of Naomi's suits. Maybe you would think, oh, that must be Naomi. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we've seen this happen before where they can fake a signal from somebody. James Holden mm-hmm. was faked in video. Uh, way sure. back when so they can definitely do this to the point it almost feels like a 21st century sop to have a character be like how can it not be her it's her voice and someone has to explain yeah we can fake that shit we can actually fake we can we can deep fake that shit right now at this resolution at like a bad am radio quality get yeah. out of here that's G- what give we me can your do iPad. Right now. i can do that in 45 right. seconds on uh, right. <laughs> photoshop is still around and now it does like some- audio too <laughs> Yeah, it's like if someone like uh, uses a calculator to do, I don't know, eight significant digits worth of math. How could you possibly get that answer so fast? Like, I use this calculator. Like, come on. But anyway, yeah, no, that's, it's, that's it's what a, happens, and that's the situation. It's an app that was uh, coded by Mal Industries. It's yeah. It's just like <laughs> we've got those. We got those things today, right? We got the deep fake apps where you can change your face that's what out. I'm yeah, yeah. 100, uh, 100 plus years from now, we're going to have all kinds of technology like that. Oh, yeah. Buckle up. The next 10 years is going to be real fucking fun with the deep fake shit on top of the fake news baloney. Like, it's going yeah. to be uh, very hard for people, even well-meaning people, to figure out what the fuck is true and, and, and false. If you don't know so about be it, fun. yeah, search up deep fakes. Uh, search up... Uh, safe for work deep fakes because there's a lot of not safe for work ones (laughs) right but uh yeah check it check that out because it's frightening uh back on board the rossinanti bull monica and holden debate essentially all the things we wondered about last episode can the protomolecule survive a uh a reactor breach uh or whether the zamea could have handed off the protomolecule before its untimely demise jim what were the results of this debate the results are we always need to give this show one more episode before we start questioning it because <laughs> you're right. Everything we were questioning, uh, they, they go on to at least speculate on, if not outright address. Uh, and these people are kind of in the position to know, like sure. 
like Holden, like, you know, could it, could it survive a like reactor? And Holden says like, this is kind of essentially how we've killed it every other time. Like, you know, with raw nuclear fusion, mm-hmm. uh, and then, like, could they have handed it off and Bull's right there? Hey, we're on the scopes monitoring everything. You know, we only received the one transmission right before it blew up. And that was probably, you know, uh, uh, Marco doing his best Bane interpreta- uh, impersonation. The, the the flames continued to rise, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you you got to kill yourself. So you're right. Uh, they would probably know. So well, let's assume like they are that the protomolecule is gone. Well, now you've got the question of is Holden going to drag these people into a suicide mission? And I, I love the looks girlfriend. between Monica and bull here that, yeah, uh, things just got worse for Monica and bull. Now the protomolecule is gone, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know what they do because like, uh, it's holding ship, but damn, how do they expect everyone to go all in to save one person? Yeah, this is not um, the crew of the Rossi who is yeah, this you is know, depends on Naomi lovers, for yeah. their lives. Yeah, it's it's just random people from Tycho. So, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And it's one thing to go on a volunteer mission to potentially save the entirety of humanity from another protomolecule disaster, but yeah. to do it for a person, yeah, it's 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 tough, and I don't know how they're going to resolve that either. Um so we then go to Drummer's uh, little flotilla, and her faction is struggling with dealing with the changes under the new Marco regime. Yeah, um, they're scavengers now for Marco, and it's not just that they're scavengers, right? It's that it's apparent that Marco is destroying these ships and then sending them to pick the bones. Uh, I can't remember if it's this scene or a later scene where they discuss that, uh, say basically just that. My question is, how long will the crew tolerate this? Um, how long can Drummer tolerate it? How long before somebody here rebels? What's, what do they do if that happens? Uh, being being this like familial unit here, it, it's going to be tough if somebody doesn't want to go along with this plan. Um, and I guess it depends on who it is uh, as to how they address that. Because if it's Drummer, I think they're just going to go do whatever she wants to do. If it's nameless, uh, nameless husband A, who knows? I I don't know. Does uh-huh. Tremor space the guy? Does does he just sit in his room and sulk the whole time because they're doing things he doesn't want to do? I I really don't know. I'm curious to see how they handle it. And the other complication is you got Corral. Right. nakedly seizing sizing up the captain's chair for her own posterior you know like oh yeah this is this is uh, the drummer's broken this in nice for me like she's wanting to use any excuse to uh, wait for her to buck an order and then assume control that's literally what she's there for she's almost like a political officer at this point mm-hmm. um, but they also kind of like I also wonder, like, how Drummer can maintain loyalty to her crew because, like, if Car- if you take Carl at her face value, Marco is is only acting in defense. Like, it's not that he's proactively exterminating all Belters who opposed him because yeah. that's what Drummer supposes. She recognized this faction as one of the ones that voted to throw him at the airlock last season. Um, but you know, Marco let those guys go. They attacked two of his skiffs, leaving Ceres Station. So he's defending the people that are loyal to him. I don't know if that's true, yeah. but it doesn't have to be true for 
enough of drummers crew to believe it to be like well fuck if they if they rejected a deal and then you know was the aggressor then fuck them because uh, otherwise it's just senseless belter on belter violence or punitive belter on belter violence um so i don't know but this it's it's, it's sad to watch this tight-knit crew start to come apart at the seams over uh this new mission of theirs uh, the new UN Gen- uh, Secretary General uh, Pasteur gets his first test in leadership as he addresses all the peoples of Earth and Luna uh, about the asteroid attack from some kind of, uh, I think, moon base rotunda. What do you think of his performance here, Jim? I, well, I so I don't feel bad anymore about not knowing how to pronounce uh, Sarala because everybody in this show pronounces it differently. Uh, uh, Versala, I think, was at one point said... The the cadence with which you say her name is dependent on just what actor strolls in, what extra strolls in off the set that day, right? Oh, we're going to give you a line. It's got this name in it, but we're not going to tell you how to say it. What? What is going on here? Because everybody in this room says it different. And I it is it is weird also that like I, I, I buy that when she was the the power behind the throne, but she was the secretary general like. It'd be kind of like, you know, maybe you st- you struggle with Barack Obama, I guess, although that's kind of like... But, <laughs> no, but there like, was a time he's when... been president for a couple of years, you know, like everyone kind of kind of finds its way of right. rolling off the tongue. It's you not Barrack anymore. You learn how to say it, right? Like, it, it's when, before I knew who uh, Kamala Harris was, I said Kamala Harris because... Right, right. That's what it looked like to me. But, uh, you know, it only took a matter of hearing it a couple of times before I was on sure. board with actually saying her name right. So, Jesus Christ, people. Aversala. Aversala. Um, but, but this, uh, this I, I thought this speech was pretty good. Like, um, at first I thought like, oh, this is a little unrealistic. This guy, like, coming across so polished and whatnot. But he is a politician. And clearly, uh, when, when he walks off the stage after, you know, he essentially says, hey, I, this, he starts off relatable. No, I, I didn't expect to be thrust in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, um but then he goes, but I do have because of it, a clarity of vision and what I lack for an experience. I'm going to make up for in passion, dedication and support as he gestures all around them, particularly picks out uh, Admiral Delgado and uh, Avasarala, who are Avasarala is a recent hero of saving the system. That's the one of the reasons she became secretary general in the first place. And she's recently uh, linchpin saving Earth from that. So he's kind of leaning on these people and, you know, promising not to stop until they bring Marco. Uh, people to, to justice for their atrocities. It very reminded me a lot of the, the George W. Bush speech uh, on the rubble of uh, the World Trade Center right after 9-11. You know, the whole, you know, yeah. uh, the, the, uh, the, they're going to hear from all of us real soon. Um which is effective. Like, you know, I'm sure that all 24 billion people of Terra and Luna are out for blood. Like, you know, immediately after 9-11, low 90% of the American people were completely on board with putting the United States boot up someone's ass. You know, like that's just mm-hmm. an, an, an attack of this scale and magnitude. <sighs> It's it's yeah. going to be people are going to want blood. I don't care how advanced they are in the 24th century. They're going to they're going to they're going to want it. So but him walking off and kind of like instantly reverting back to that kind of, un, you know, kind of like, well, I read read, read the speech you gave me, guys. Um, but he reads it so can, well. I like I'm is, is he is this a story of a man who's corrupted by the power that is thrust upon him? Or is this a story of a man who wields that power? Um 
extremely effectively while still also remaining a decent person. I don't know. Because this guy, as best I know, is not in the books. So I hope it's the latter because I actually feel like they're doing a good job of showing a guy. Because, you know, this guy isn't just like some schlub. He's highly educated. He's an engineer. Like, I believe that he can read a a speech well. Um, And he also continues to do what I think is good governance. He's like, you know, getting uh, multiple opinions. He's Mm -hmm. not taking hasty action. He's considering, you know, like, uh, uh, I think... And, and when you say like act effectively, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything he does has to work or be the best thing. It's just, yeah. you know, like reasonable people can disagree, but like, you know, he's not just going full phantom of the opera uh, or he's not going to like just crawl into a corner and suck his thumb and, and let others bully him around. Like, he, like I, I continue to really like this guy is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, me too. Uh, so uh, Amos and Peaches arrive in Balmer. Uh, they finally finally make it their way to Baltimore and they make a deal with Amos's quote unquote brother, Eric. Uh, talk about this a bit. I don't know what the upside here is for Eric. Like, okay. Part of this is a symptom of, they haven't really laid out how fucked earth is. Um, the other part is a guy like Eric, let's say he gets off the planet let's say he goes to Luna where does he fit in on Luna? Because there are mi- millions, no, millions is low, billions of people who are going to be trying to get off of Earth and head to Luna, um, at least temporarily. You're going to have such a glut of people up there that it's not going to be like, oh, well, we need you to go you know, work on uh, water recyclers or whatever. And even if he could, is is that the type of guy Eric is? What What skills does Eric bring to the table that would be effective once he's off the planet and I just don't see it like I don't see this this place where he ends up that both he feels good about being at but also everybody feels good about having him at I feel like the best analogy here is that like right now he's you know like the the quote little finger from Game of Thrones he's trying to climb the ladder of chaos Amos is saying that he's climbing a ladder that's leading to a floor that's on fire uh, if he climbs a ladder that goes a little bit higher to Luna, that is no longer on fire. And this, the sooner he gets it up the ladder and can set up space like a criminal on the moon where everyone's trying to come in and 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 get papers to work and and get supplies and stuff like the criminal element does very well in those situations like gray market, black market stuff work very well in times of crisis like this. So if he can be the first of the the new boots on the ground, like right now, you know, Luna's probably div- divvied up in its criminal organizations just like like Earth is. Well, there's the a massive problem, right? like- there's new influx of people there are people who are not claimed yet and he can get in there and kind of like maybe take over some of the the complacent or I, I just think that like the, the the argument is again like the the layer the ladder of chaos in baltimore is just if earth is permafucked it's you're climbing a ladder that's just just going to go back down into a hole whereas if you get off the earth uh, if you get off the earth in luna you got a chance to do something and coming to grips with the sure. fact that like you're no longer the boss of this city because this city doesn't exist anymore is is the the deal i think that's what this whole speech about you're a dead woman is but yeah i i'm I'm not sure i buy it like i don't think literally every person on earth is gonna die um and if that's the case then eric's actually in a pretty good position there in baltimore you can see his operation rolling into effect immediately right he's they're stockpiling supplies and the skyscraper that they own this apartment building or whatever um He's got a he's got an infrastructure here that allows him to accomplish a ton of shit 
on the moon, he's just going to be another dude. And that infrastructure already exists and it's in the hands of everyone else. So like the, the, the people coming in on the, the relief boats are going to be gobbled up, I think by the existing uh, underground power structure there. But I guess if it's Eric possible. thinks he can make a, a, make a go of it, then uh, or at I least if think he thinks like, it'll be easier on the moon than it is here. I don't know. I think it's entirely possible that like nearly everyone on earth will die because they don't have the heavy lift capacity to move billions. They just don't, they don't have enough capacity to move billions of people off this planet. And if earth's biosphere collapses, uh, we, you know, we barely have enough food to feed 7 billion people right now feeding 25 billion people. Uh, when the, when the the biosphere over large parts of the United uh, of the, the 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 world has collapsed, the the water's been polluted. Or you know, sure, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of like, feed 25 billion, right? Like a lot of people are going to die. Tons of people are going to die. Uh, all those people who are on UBI living in tent cities in New York are a probably already yeah. dead, but a B if they're not, they're going to die because uh, they don't have this kind of support. But yeah. Feeding a billion, I believe you could do that with with the tech they've got. Certainly. So you think that like Eric? I guess that's a, I guess that's what Eric needs to ask himself. Does he think that he can survive the churn where only one out of twenty five people are going to survive, or can he be? Because again, like let's say, how many people can flee to Luna in mm-hmm. the next week? Ten thousand, maybe. Can you uh, survive a churn of ten thousand, like you know, ten to hundred thousand arriving on a a, a a a moon that has a billion or two people on it, versus like being the one out of twenty five that survives? Uh, I mean, this especially could if also you're a, a, if you're if you're a criminal and you've stockpiled all this food and weapons and like the legitimate like whatever vestiges of the government wants that to feed people, like are you going to be able to hold out against all that? Like I I don't know. I, I said the math makes sense to me. If it doesn't make sense to you, then then uh, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean. I, the Luna is going to have a problem too. Um, you can't have this kind of influx of people um, and not have the systems they are stressed, right? The, like the moon is a much harsher environment, probably even than True. the earth is with a bunch of rocks hitting it. So like you send a bunch of people to the moon, it doesn't really solve any problems. It just makes things on the moon worse. Yeah, uh, I agree. I just think when you say this influx, I just think that influx is going to be relatively smaller compared to really. Cause I, I, I see them as like, Okay, maybe the the ship, suborbital ships aren't as like pop as as numerous as cars or something are right now, but mm-hmm. they're certainly as numerous as like buses, right? Like I, I would think between commerce and just personal crafts and like I, I mean the rich I have like spaceships parked in docks, like boats, right? So that's true. But I guess an interesting question is like, how many people could you, with the combined commercial airlift capacity of the United States, like airlift to Europe, like in a month? Like I, I don't know. I imagine someone could do the it's math millions. on that. But like, it's millions and millions. I imagine you think so. I imagine that like whatever that capacity is, you'd have some fraction of that to move everyone from the the Earth to to, to the Moon. Um, but. Uh, I could be wrong. The other thing is, like, I I was skeptical of, like, the spacecraft and garages on these islands, if they're going to, like, survive the tsunami, because it seems like they'd be kind of delicate, and then maybe they wouldn't be able to survive, uh, you know, being submerged underwater for some time. Um, I mean, clearly, this, the uh, thing they want you to know is that it's less... Shit's going to be better on the moon. That's what they're saying yeah. in this scene. Uh, they mentioned this Anasaki Island in New, in New Hampshire. I looked it up, and there is no Anasaki Island, but then I'm like, well, that doesn't... that. 
I, I wonder if Anasaki Island is is um, some, and it might not. I, I I phonetically spelled it as best as I could. I don't know if that's actually what she said. I don't have captions for the the screeners, but. I wonder if it's an artificial island because probably most of the natural islands in New, New Hampshire are like underwater and there's probably new islands and they might have man made a few. But like, yeah, I looked that up and there there isn't an island that exists, which, again, didn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, oh, the other really funny thing is uh, uh, the callback to the tequila because you saw Amos like uh, looking at those bottles and like wanting to snatch one. He's like, uh, it's going to be a long trip. I saw that whole case of tequila. Maybe we should take that. <laughs> yeah. Somehow I think that's going to find its way to the Rossi. Mm. Oh, yeah. It'd be a nice uh, season finale kind of him sipping that in his quarters. Yeah. If, um, if they ever get back. So the UN Secretary General gets briefed on the latest on um, the manhunt for Marco and Eris. This is where someone just butchers Avasarala's name. Um, and they, 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 I like this scene because it gives us a lot of stuff that we would otherwise not know about. Like, for example, is the ring gate safe? Uh, yep. Admiral Delgado thinks it is. Um, what's the threat of Medina Station to the fleet? Negligible. Um the the real question is how do we hit back on on Marcos? Uh, what did you think of their plans here? Yeah, um, man, I thought I was on board with Delgado until he comes out with this shit, and I I think he's wrong here. I think the you know for lack of a better term, the optics are real fucking bad if they go through with Delgado's plan. You're going to start lashing out at innocent civilians. Um, and I get it. It's a sticky situation. He is using human shields, right? I, I don't know what you do about it, but I don't think you do what Delgado is suggesting. It's because I was also I was debating here in my mind. Like, I think that, like, you're right. Delgado, like Delgado's approach is playing right into Marco's hands is exactly what he wants you to do. And anytime you do yeah. something that the enemy wants you to do, it's probably not in your best interest to do it. Uh, on the other hand, it's hard to think of a disproportionate response when the attack killed millions and millions of innocent people and perhaps destroyed Mother Earth. And you're talking about nuking a uh, a, a, a space station that is, has people chanting the name of this mass murderer and obviously outing the support. It's his home base. Like and there's like a total of like 9000 people on it. Or maybe that's even maybe it's like forty five hundred. Like it's hard to say that that's disproportionate which is probably one of the reasons that marcos hopes that he because like he knows like all these that all that logic tracks and i hope you fuckers take the bait because then i will unite the belt now Mm -hmm. it's in theory i've united the belt but once you start attacking civilian populations and you remove the objections of of these more the more reasonable belters that we saw were arguing about this last episode yeah then you've got you've got you got what you want um i think it's nice we've seen those arguments because you can imagine once uh the shooting starts um all those options that drummer and her crew are considering about like do we take marco's offer or do we you know go go off and try and just make our own way in like inner space and you could see a belter sort of like looking at the attack on palestation that delgado is suggesting and saying well there are no options now um even if we weren't inclined to side with marco before this it's not that now suddenly Marco seems more sympathetic necessarily, which I, hey, I think he would, no option. but, but mm-hmm. yeah, they can't go to the inners because the inners are murdering them. Um, right. It's, 
Yeah, this is a sticky situation, and I think they're about to just fall into the quicksand here unless this guy is level-headed enough to keep them out of it. And, and the other thing that this scene does is it takes away an ally that I think uh, Avasarala thought she had in Delgado, mm-hmm. right? They were both on the same page about, you know, the rocks um, and trying to, you know, he apologized for not fighting harder for her a couple episodes ago. And that's ago. the key. He's got that guilt. Like, oh God, I was I was a little soft or I was a little too concerned to cover my ass. I'm going to, now he's overcorrecting. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Man, I hope this pastor guy is better than better than the previous uh, rulers here. But you know, it's it's funny because like if if you could like transmit the argument that uh, drummers people had about joining Marco to Earth, and you could transmit to the belt the argument that the UN is having about this because it's like very fifth like uh, that that board was not that this uh, cabinet was not united and fuck the belters. It was like a yeah. bunch of people like we can't do this. These are innocent people. We'd be no better than he is. Uh, well, they don't even wear uniforms, so they're all. Well, that's even make that guess isn't a legitimate military. All those arguments back and forth show that it's everything that that uh, Delgato and Marcos is trying to tell people, which is, you know, it's us against them. It's all of them against all of us is is never the truth. Right. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this uh, secretary general pastor. I don't know what, how stern of stuff he's made out of. Um because also the, the pressure, like I said, the pressure to do something is mm-hmm. going to be massive and it's going to be vi- the other thing is a guy in this week of position, even if he wants to do the right thing. He's got to always think I'm in a precarious position. I'm like 32nd in line for the throne. If I appear weak and ineffective, there will be a million reasons to replace me and more qualified people. And God knows what they'll do. Mm-hmm. So. Sometimes that can be an interesting piece of the psychological uh, Jenga pile, too. Yeah, I find it ironic that the former secretary general is sitting in this room and she somehow doesn't have the 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 mic here. Right. Like, I mean, she does. She's got his ear, but but he's the guy calling the shots, even though he was some fucking teacher on a field trip with sixth graders uh, an episode ago for transportation. And she was Um, the fucking secretary general. It's just she got busted down by Gao. And I guess that's the thing is like this is still the remnants of Gao's regime, you know, Uh, and that regime was hostile to Avasarala. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of amazing. She has a seat at the table. Um so back on board the chain smoker, Naomi uh, scavenges for food, water, equipment, uh, trying desperately to think of anything that will change her survival situation while also protecting the good Samaritans from blowing themselves the fuck up, coming to rescue her. Uh, which and, which uh, part of this is this? Because like th- this is interspersed throughout the, the episode. She's. This is the one she pries up the floor. She's trying panel. to send her own message. Okay. Okay. She's not sending her own and message. Here's yet. the second of the problems I have with there's no fucking way this floor panel is held on by gravity. <laughs> and they've established that she has no fucking tools to work with. So every time these ships have a sudden stop, the floor panels just go flying. These extremely heavy floor panels just come and pulp everybody to death. Is that what they're saying? <laughs> what? Like, I am honestly. I don't know. Oh, yeah, the magnets are no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime you lose power and gravity, you want all your fucking heavy floor grates to fly around willy nilly. Like, yeah, I just, it's this a good is, point. 
This is another one where the showrunners just hoping you don't notice because this makes no fucking sense in context of the universe. No sense at all. Yeah, they um, could have at least shown like some internal, maybe under the great latches or something that she's she disconnecting. Use some kind of improvised tool to get through a real tool. Like I, I, I kind yeah. of mind. It's like we said last episode. There was a couple of ways that, like a couple of insert shots to show how she got out of her brig, uh, you know, plausibly. And I feel like there were ways you could answer that. It's just that. I don't know. Like it's a, it's it's like either they weren't aware of the problem, or for some reason they didn't have the time or money to to get the shots necessary to fully sell it. And as it is, it's just one of those rough rough, rough stretches of broken ground that you got to figure out. Mm. Um, now having all those objections, it's pretty effective. You know, like her having to kind of improvise a pulley system and lift this thing up so she can get this like crude tool that she can then go and do bigger and better things. Uh, on the, that stuff, you know, seeing her MacGyver to ship is really cool. It's just that, like, the premise of the scene doesn't make any fucking sense in the universe. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. So, uh, and we see the early stages of her plan that she's got this helmet that we know has a, has a, has a weak transmitter. Uh, presumably, she's trying to wire that into something that can get a little bit more juice or try to hijack a signal that's being sent out. She's going to send her own signal out. Um, and, you know, she realizes at some point she's going to have to go in between the inner and outer hull where there's no oxygen. And uh, she she's able to put on her pressure suit and use the vestiges of oxygen um, in that to make very brief trips in there to strip out wire and a, a enough to make a crude microphone so she can record her own um, uh, a message that for some reason she she doesn't get out i don't i don't know like this this scene fizzles and i'm not exactly sure why like it's a uh, yeah um I, yeah. I i feel like she's trying to use either a low power transmitter that would just be like over overrided by the, the higher power transmitter that the ship's using like mm-hmm. she's trying to use her suit to to send a message but i thought her suit was was transmitting to the computer on the ship which is then transmitting out uh, I'm not real sure exactly how that worked, but that's uh, the other thing I have. Like they have all these like um, tamper sensors on everything except for the thing that's sending the distress signal. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's the third thing that bothers me about this in- <laughs> this engineered situation. But uh, well, whatever, you know, she's got this. Uh, she explains the situation to this message that doesn't actually go out to anybody, but it, it serves to kind of let us know if you if you were struggling to understand what was going on, that the chain smoker has been converted into a bomb. It's got tamper sensors. It's got a proximity detonator. Um, she's got this improvised uh, radio that uh, she can't transmit. She can only receive. Um, and uh, but, that's but we don't really know that in the moment, right? She's like sending out this desperate message, hoping that someone will pick it up, and and they mm-hmm. let that play out for a while. And and I think they mm-hmm. did some really cool dramatic stuff with it, which we'll get to here in a second. Uh, so then we go to Drummer's faction, and we see them enjoying a lighthearted moment in between their stress squabbling and their emotional breakdowns. That shot must have looked really silly without the CG. <laughs> Like you just got a bunch of just like people sucking into the air. Uh, It was hilarious when they lady and tramp the water out of the air, too. I I had the same notes. They lady and tramp the water boat. I mean, like if you've seen an astronaut reel of like high G uh, hijinks, this is this is one of the highlights. You know, someone squeezing some tang out of a pouch and hoovering it up and looking amazing. You know, gravity's not real, kids. Never gets old. 
Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And it's enough like, uh, you know, this this kind of like probably every Belter kid does this at some point that, that they're, they're rediscovered that breaks the tension just enough. But it's almost like leaves them sadder when they briefly recapture their family feeling and then yeah. reality comes rushing back. Um, yeah, the, the water sucking doesn't get old. But what does get old is this argument uh, that someone else, if, if they didn't do the terrible thing for the terrible person, someone else would do it instead. This is complete bullshit. Anytime you hear somebody say this, call them on their bullshit because this is a self-perpetuating ideology. If It's, it's only true if everyone does it, right? Right, right. Because if, if everyone were to reject that philosophy, it mm. would no longer be true. Um, right. So... It is an excuse. It's a rationalization that people use to allow themselves to do things they know they shouldn't do. They know are are wrong and and evil. Uh, so yeah, bullshit. I call bullshit. On the, on the other hand, thing. it's 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 an understandable thing because we it's very effective. Like you know, uh, Pablo Escobar. If you watch Narcos, his philosophy was you can take my lead or silver. Uh, most people in one to one transactions, t- if everyone takes the lead instead of silver, then Pablo's plan immediately comes to a halt and he's defeated. But it's a rational decision to not want to die right here right now on the hopes that if everyone is makes your superhuman sacrifice that you'll defeat the evil what Jim's well, saying is absolutely right and that's how evil's defeated but holy fuck when it's your turn in the firing box yeah i i yeah i i hope you got i hope you're made of that stern stuff uh and that's only true the, the lead only applies because someone made the decision not to say that in the first place right if everyone if pablo had come to his the first guy he was trying to recruit and said i give you lead or silver and then and, and the guy said no nah, i'm not taking any of them mm-hmm. i mean he, gets, he dies maybe he dies but how many times does pablo es- nah, yeah, pablo, right. pablo right. nobody fucking escobar go to go up to somebody and say lead or silver and shoot them in the right. head before the authorities right. come in and just arrest You're his exactly singular right. ass with no support like pablo escobar right. does not become pablo escobar unless somebody a lot of people step in and just rationalize it away by oh someone right. else will do it if i don't but the person with the gun through their skull who is right here right now going to experience that consequence like it doesn't feel like a connect it doesn't feel like uh and it is it's it's sure. one of those things where it's got it's, it's an iterative game yeah you know but it also to that person it's the one and only game they're going to play or, sure. or potentially could be so yeah you're it's just, tough you're also playing that game for everybody in the future who's who's gonna that's why it's usually it's like they get away that in a long t- the short term but in the long term people get wise to it and then you know it's 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 a paradox like you end a lot of human suffering if you didn't do that but on the other hand you almost need a lot of human suffering to like get people's backbone stiffened to to make those kind of sacrifices uh yeah the, the good thing is it takes a few people rejecting that philosophy um in the right places of power to actually put mm-hmm. an end to the to the those forces like the pablo escobars of the world and it's so. weird because like the more people that take the silver the more courageous decision to take the lead becomes you know like because you, you know like uh, it's one thing when as you say it's just a street tough but when you're entrenched you know yeah. it becomes but but usually there are those heroes so mm-hmm. um we'll see who they are in the show Meanwhile, on board the Screaming Firehawk, Bobby and Alex pick up a Trixie and false Naomi distress signal and unwittingly pass that information on to Holden on the Rossi. I love how they play this. This is what I'm talking about, where they let that the the question of whether or not she can get this transmission out linger to great dramatic effect, because you think that Bobby has intercepted her 
you know, her distress signal that she's that she sent, right? Not the fake one. And you're like, oh, yes. Right. Okay, they picked it up. Thank They're going to go yes. save her. They're close enough. Yeah. And then when it comes through to Holden and it's the wrong message, it's the one that's saying, help, I'm in distress. Come save me. Oh, my God. It's such a good moment. It's incredible. Like I said, the I, I'm, I'm willing to forgive some of these other things because the base level of cleverness of what Naomi really does is is high. And it's I, I, I like I can't remember if I talked about this in the intro, but like I meet like a lot of this episode. I was frustrated because I didn't know what she was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time it all came together, like I, it felt so satisfying when you hear that repeated signal over the credits. Um, and, and the way they do, they play with your emotions. You think that like, oh, because of the sequence of events, Naomi got it just in time, everything. But oh, no. And then again, another one of these things where they play with what information people know, what people don't know, what people know they don't know. And it's 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 really and, effective in building the tension. And the tragedy of it, too, is amplified because like Holden has put Alex and Bobby in a situation to relay a, a false message to him. Like you're not even right. sure Holden would have got this message and been on his way uh well no i guess he's on his way to the chest smoke after the protomolecules destroyed uh mm-hmm. so maybe that doesn't apply but yeah the, they did everything really well here uh also they name check los compadres we're gonna be able to get out our our, our, our holographic cowboy hats again on the live stream jim oh, right when, so they so they talk about Hygieia, which I, I every time they make I like looking these up to get the geography. Hygieia is the fourth largest asteroid in the solar system. It's just under four hundred kilometers wide. Um, apparently, they have a Los Compadres, which is the ridiculous uh, Martian uh, Texan franchise that that Bobby and and uh, Alex uh, f- first visited this season. And and Bobby's like wrinkling her nose, like I can't believe you st- you can stand that place. And then him muttering under his breath, everyone needs everyone needs compadres. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was so fucking funny because uh, yeah, you can I'm imagine that being their their advertising slogan. It right? absolutely is. It's like it's the no rules, just right. Everyone yeah, needs compadres. Yep. Come see your compadres, Dan. Yeah, no, it's totally the commercial. It's totally the jingle. Oh, man. <laughs> I fucking love it. And it makes Alex... Kind of, also, it's like one of those things where like Alex is a bit more of a clown, this, I think. He's always been kind of the clown of the crew, but he's mm-hmm. a bit more of a clown. And it's kind of... It, 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 it kind of takes a sting out of the character going away, honestly. Like, it feels like almost like they wrote to make Alex kind of the butt of all the jokes. Um yeah, he's the douchebag yeah. that likes that, that that fucking likes getting on the mechanical bull when uh, and, and getting thrown off and etc. So, what's a low G mechanical bull writing sim <laughs> look like? Know. Like you get thrown it, off and you go forty feet into a wall? Right, 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 right. Yeah, or it's like it's probably a lot easier to stay on it, right? You know, they must have to buck three times harder to compensate for the reduced Martian gravity. Yeah, uh, spin three times faster. Uh, back on Luna. The union, the, the the UN Secretary General Pasteur calls in Admiral Delgado to his office to speak frankly about his measured response to Marco's atrocities. Okay, this is the scene I thought we already had. Uh, yeah, where he he then asks you know Delgado about you think this is the right decision, and Delgado's got some fire, some fire in yeah. him, uh, some anger. Yeah. Clearly, it's not all just like, I think from a military perspective, this is the right call. No, it's from a personal perspective. Yeah. 
and and he lays out the strategy of like, look, there's no way this can be a disproportionate response when we're talking about just stacks of civilians. He's hiding He's behind right. human shields. This there's not going to be blood on your hands. And then you know, Pasteur quite reasonably saying, I think. I have a feeling at the end of all this, we're all going to have blood on their hands and Delgado's chilling response. Well, if it's their blood, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's like I said, like these are understandable human impulses, but they're also probably playing right into the enemy's hands. And it's, it's going to be a longer, harder war to fight an insurgency, especially a well-armed one like this one. But it's probably the quicker, uh, in the long run, it's the quicker, more sure way towards getting back to the peaceful, stable equilibrium you want. And maybe, maybe a way to like, you know, if, if you do resist, like, you know, to the extent that the earth, to the extent to earth and Martians resist disproportionate responses, it gives the belters that are horrified by this and saying this isn't us. It gives them strength mm-hmm. and makes the aggressors in the belt, the bloodthirsty ones that people chant makes them weak to the extent that earth leans in and brutalizes more belters it weakens the people crying out for peace and saying this isn't us and it strengthens the marco sinka fans it's just you know yeah. like you can you can argue whether it's like you know moral whatever all you want i'm just saying that's that's the literal calculus on the ground mm-hmm. um so and as a military we'll strategist he's got to know that right um yeah i, I think his judgment know, is man. a little bit clouded <laughs> Like I, it feels like every time I've seen like military debate, like the the like, thank God we have civilian control of the military because yeah. if we didn't, uh, you would always just be like, yeah, fuck it, we got these nukes, let's nuke them. We got these troops, let's rub down their throat. We got it's these the, bullets, the military hammer hitting a, a obviously mil- military it, nail. All the nails look very military yeah. when all you've got is a military hammer. So. Uh, Meanwhile, on board the Chainsmoker, Naomi listens in horror as Alex gallantly informs her that they're burning hard. And when 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 they're on board the Screaming Eagle, that means something like mm-hmm. uh, that means they're like going to get faster than probably any other ship in the system. Uh, so that causes her to redouble her efforts to do something. And eventually she has a breakthrough that on the first watch, I was like, well, the music's telling me and she's crying in relief. So she did something. But fuck if I know what it was. Uh, you want to walk us through this, Jim? Uh, yeah. So the, the, as best I understand it, um, what she's doing here is cutting out certain parts of the message. Uh, and that's like she at first when you hear her like repeating the message to herself she's memorizing it and the pace the tempo Mm -hmm. of it right so the when she's back in the in between the holes she can kind of get a feel for the rhythm um and what she's doing is she's cutting out the transmission uh strategically to make the transmission say something else and in this case uh what it says is this is naomi nagata tells james holden i'm in control Mm mm-hmm Uh, There's a big, long pause, but this is exactly how it goes down in the book. Uh, Same message, same method, all that. And so I was not confused at all by this. I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing here. Like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't know how they would film this because it's very complicated what she's doing. It seems like you were able to pick up on 
pretty much everything she's doing now. So yeah, by the time the credits roll, I understood everything and I thought it was brilliant. And I cool. thought the way they told the story where it's like, you know, it's very Groundhog's Day. It's someone doing I I guess that what she's essentially doing is going to every internal circuit break it in this okay. in the the, yeah. this, the ship that's probably numbered in some way and she's keeping track of which one she's tried so she doesn't get confused. And eventually she'll find the one that is cutting the the communications. Now I do have another problem with the the whole tamper sensors. Like it does seem mm-hmm. like if you're just randomly flipping breakers on and off in a ship that you would probably flip the tamper sensors. I don't know. But like if I just take it at, at face value, it's a very clever plan uh, that she succeeded at. Um, and they told it very, you know, like uh, you felt her fear and exhaustion and the fact that yeah. she has to do this laborious system where like she she goes in there and she has a limited supply of oxygen uh, before the carbon dioxide uh, builds up and kills her and she every time she comes out gasping and, and you it's just shorthand of her chiseling the numbers into the side of the hull this shows like the amount of effort in a very efficient and cinematic way and it's well super done. hot they did in this there about as, it's yep, I imagine sure. Like she, she's sweating up a storm in that suit. Um, and and when she's, they do a lot of subtle things, um, a lot of overt things too, like where they've got a literal sensor, like Miller, uh, with the bomb, you know, back on Eros or whatever, right? Where it's it's beeping at him. Uh, it's beeping at Naomi here, uh, telling her CO two high, CO two high. Um, but they do some subtle stuff too, where she walks back in, she takes off her helmet, but not only does she do that, I thought the first time she kind of opened her suit she was stripping down uh getting out of the mm-hmm. suit because maybe it was hot or something and i'm like man that seems inefficient i eventually realized what she's doing is she's letting the co2 out of her suit right and refilling yeah, it with yeah. breathable air filling her oxygen tank which is her suit <laughs> exactly yeah so a lot of really cool subtle touches there that i liked agreed uh, so then, like I said, we I, I kind of streamlined this because this cuts back and forth between this next scene we're going to talk about, which is uh, Drummer's Fleet. They received Naomi's distress signal, but uh, Drummer's uh, ordered not to respond as Carol uh, tells them that uh, she's Naomi spaced herself on Marco's ship as a Corral. Yeah. I said Carol. <laughs> I think Carol is hilarious, but yeah, it is Corral. Karal uh, tells her that Naomi spaced herself aboard Marco's flagship. However, Karal is shocked to find that the message apparently is changing, which shouldn't be possible if no one is on board the ship and Naomi is dead. Yeah, uh, I, I don't I don't have a lot of this speech here, but what I couldn't help but notice in this scene is the lighting. It's so good. It's got this like mm. deep texture to it it's it's like dark but there are so many colors in it it's like oranges and greens and blues you, you can see like stuff that's clearly meant to be illumination um in the oranges and the lanterns and stuff but then you also get like the screens right adding the blues and the greens and just like this the show is beautiful it's an, got an understated beauty to it but man yeah. the person who lit this scene genius it's also, and I know they've talked about this in some of the making ofs, that they deliberately do the lighting so that at a glance you can tell what ship you're on. For like sure. the lighting scheme of the Razorback is completely different from the Rossinanti, which is completely different from the Chainsmoker, which is completely different from Drummer's ships. And you can immediately get grounded on what ship, what faction, at least what faction. Because, you know, like the Martian ships are kind of all the same. But like you, yeah, you can, you you can definitely tell the difference between these different factions just by the environment. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's that's really cool. Usually that that goes to the planets, too. Like you can tell if you're on Earth or the moon or mm-hmm. Mars without them telling you too, just because based on what materials are constructed in, <laughs> whether they have windows and have blue skies outside, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's really cool. And a lot of the shows that do like the Game of Thrones had the same way, like every single location had to have its own cultural look and feel because you you go around to so many different locations. You would quickly get lost without the intro and without those visual motifs. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, since real life works that way, like you can kind of tell whether you're in an American city or a European city or an Asian city or an African city without too much trouble yeah. based on what companies are there, what the buildings look like, what languages there are. Like that's kind of adds a little bit of world building. Like that's everything doesn't look the same. Like even in the 21st century, everything's been so fucking homogenized. It's still pretty easy to tell where you're at um, based on like signage and stuff. So. I think it's 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 useful and it also makes the world feel a lot hell, hell of a lot more real. Yeah. Um, I love the scene. There's so much like I fucking love drummer so much. Where like uh, Carol tries to tell her that uh, you can't save Naomi, and she just spins around and is like, "Watch me!" <laughs> uh, and then her almost attacking her when she's like starts talking about Nate because you know one thing we know about Naomi like this is something that's established very early in the state. They're like very good friends and they have a mutual respect for each other. Um, uh, dr- drummer and Naomi. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 I was just asking. Naomi. You, yeah, you yeah, didn't yeah. Say okay. Um, yeah, and the, the and stuff like the the Philip has been researching about them, right? That really brought them closer together. The stuff on the behemoth, uh, behemoth, whatever from the season three. Uh, all that stuff has has made them very close. Yeah, and she almost attacks her. She's stopped by her exo. Um, what's her name? Oli- not um. Oksana, I think. Yeah. Oksana. And uh, then Drummer goes to her quarters, primal screams, as I thought was a pretty incredible performance. And then in desperation <laughs> seizes the the whiskey she was saving for when she, I think at this point, killed Marco. And she just fucking chugs it. Uh, like drinks it like like it's an oxygen bottle. And she's on the chain smoker in between holes. Mm-hmm. Um and it's great and then there's a little like I, I thought I even thought the the end scene is really great the way that uh, you know Carol's kind of like you know trying to peel off another one of drummers faction by saying oh, let me tell you the real story about Naomi Nagata and this this dead bitch and all that and then Naomi from the grave uh, has her retort that she's still alive really cool really cool like I said Four, four pretty big things that bothered me on further thought about the Naomi parts of this episode. But overall, when they cut like when when because you know, I was still trying to kind of figure out what was going on. And then when they 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 played that distress message, altered distress message over the credits, I this thought it was I thought it was genius. So yeah. uh, they get the slow zoom in on the, the ring gate, one of the ring gates. Uh, very cool. I I. Man, I still th- I, I think this scene, the sequence of scenes with Drummer and Corral, is what's going to eventually push Drummer over into Michio Pa territory. And I don't like it. Don't want to say too much, but the people who have read Chicken the books pizza. are are ready. We're ready for it. Michio, baby, Michio, <laughs> we want it. Bacho Peru. I'm I'm looking forward. I don't know what the I fuck know, that means shit means. To you, but I've steadfastly uh, refused to Google it. I encourage everyone to do that too. That hasn't read the books. Oh uh, yeah, if you haven't read the books, spoiler. Don't don't Google Michio Pa. 
but yeah. I, I really uh, think that's the way that she's going. Uh, she's going to have, I don't know. What do you think her perspective is, is at this point drummer? Her perspective? Yeah. On, on helping Marco on getting by, doing what they've got to do on. I think she probably feels a lot like Naomi felt in that airlock. Like, what the fuck am I even I'm not even a, I'm not even a person with my own agency anymore. I'm having everything I love being subverted into everything I hate. Like, what is the point of even going on? Yeah. Um, and I imagine she's going to cling to this spark from Naomi like a, a drowning person. Um, the real question I have is what is because like it's almost like it's very analogous to what Holden's got going on the Rasananti. like she doesn't have the support of all of her crew to defy Marco Holden's doesn't have the support of the crew to to, to rescue Naomi from Marco mm-hmm. what what's going to be the thing that breaks the tension there because you got two captains that don't have a united crew beyond the, behind the purpose that they desperately want to achieve what 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 breaks that deadlock um it does seem like i i, I said this like two episodes ago it does seem like some combination of the the screaming eagle screaming firehawk uh the rasananti and drummer's f- uh, fleet maybe a- aided and embedded by the the, Mar- the the Jupiter and Saturn fleets that are coming by and doing detachments and stuff like maybe there's some kind of like uh, all in that can stop Marco in his tracks but I, I, I'm not seeing it which I'm glad because I kind of like I, I kind of liked when the show sur- surprises me with its cleverness so yeah I mean at this point everybody seems to be so far apart not just like physically but uh, yeah. in, in a place where none of them are really set up to help each other you know, because I, I don't think even even if Drummer and and Holden and the Screaming Eagle, even if they all come together, I don't think they're any match for Marco's nine plus Mm-mm. warships. Uh, there has to be something else that changes the equation for sure. Yeah, and then Amos, uh, you know, the 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 enforcer of the group, the guy who would normally be getting shit done, is completely out of the picture for them. So everybody's so far apart, both physically and. Uh, plot wise that we've only got two episodes left how do they bring this all together I by know, the end of the season that's the thing the two episodes because like you can kind of squint and see you know Holden and, and and Bobby and Alex are already so close as is Naomi they're like getting closer and closer Amos is far away but he's about to get his hands on an orbital star, a suborbital starship although I, here's another one that bothers me why is a ship called a suborbital ship capable of getting to M- Luna? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Uh, is maybe that like their more definition of like, is different? Yeah, it's like, is that suborbital mean like it's not capable of l- orbiting long term because it doesn't have the supplies necessary? Or is it a statement of its lift capacity? Because like if you can go to the moon, you can certainly achieve Earth orbit. Right. Like you got the Delta V, but yeah. maybe you don't have the the oxygen, water and food supplies where you can, you know, make a, a, a direct burn to Luna and get there. Uh, maybe that's what they're talking about. Um, like time in the void rated. How long does it actually like, take to get to the moon? It's not that long, right? A couple days. Yeah. Yeah. You could you could pocket the amount of food and water you need to get to the moon. Uh, yeah, I don't, like, I don't know yeah. that that's going to be the problem, the limiting factor. But you you might be right. Like uh, lift capabilities might be a thing. Like they just don't use them for that because you can only transport a couple couple few people, whatever. Yeah, like if they, they had they called it like sh- uh, like a short haul spacecraft or something. It makes more, but suborbital. It's like I kept on thinking like sub. What the fuck does that even mean? Suborbital. Yeah. Uh, 
like kind of like an aeroplane that can kind of get into the stratosphere, like, but but clearly can go to the moon. But yeah, he's about to get his hands on, uh, which brings him back into the orbit of Christian. Uh, uh, and and you can kind of see, but yeah, two episodes left. Holy hell, they're going to have to to move a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this: Where are they in turn? Like, are they about like eighty percent through the book at this point? Uh, yeah. So they're. In some ways, they're beyond uh, the end of book five. In other ways, Holy they're, they're uh, <laughs> okay, definitely okay. approaching the end of it. So, yeah. Oh, uh, that seems crazy. OK, OK, well, then I'm not, you know, because I was thinking like, you know, if you were like, oh, yeah, they actually have like a, a, a half of the because that's happened before. Like, yeah, I mm-hmm. remember you thinking there's no fucking way they can finish book three with only half of season three to work with. And by God, they did it, you know, so it sounds like they got a different problem where, um, yeah, I just, I just don't see the solution yet. Yeah, it's a multiple body problem. I don't have I don't have the calculator necessary to calculate it. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting there for sure. Um, I, I could definitely see them wrapping this up in two episodes, but like the logistics of it are going to be tricky because there's so many things pushing people apart or keeping people from yeah. their goals. Uh, I think that's it for the episode discussion. Uh, what's the situation or feedback this week, Jim? There is no situation. We we recorded a 507 podcast yesterday. And we did all of our feedback that we had in time. Yeah. uh, You guys will hear these a week apart, but in actuality, they happened back to back days. Uh, So we don't have any actual feedback. I think that's pretty much going to be the case going uh, through the next episode as well. But we will definitely have some feedback to talk about on the finale episode, because that we're probably almost certainly going to have to record in real time. Uh, Like, It'll be delayed a little bit compared to how we've been releasing these because we don't have a screener for that yet. And that may change, but I'm not banking on it. So what we're probably going to have yeah. to do is wait until the finale drops on Amazon Prime, then watch it, then do all our research and come back and record a podcast a day or two later. Uh, and yeah. so and unless because it's possible because right now what he's saying is we've got screeners for the nine episodes leading up to the finale. But you know we have not gotten the finale episode right it's possible that they'll drop that in the last week i know sometimes they leave the last episode the finale but sometimes they just never provide a screener for the last episode and if that's yeah. the case then we'll probably be a couple days behind we won't be like johnny on the spot like we've we've been this season um and the feedback for the last two episodes will probably be somewhat in arrears like it'll be the feedback for the week before because we're mm-hmm. back to like kind of recording them a week in advance so and uh, if, if you do um, watch the finale episode and our podcast is not already out go ahead and send your feedback in because we will be recording a podcast yeah, shortly yeah, after yeah. and you do that at expanse at baldmove.com that's where you want to send the feedback we will read it at some point um, it's just uh, it might be last week's on this week's episode if that makes sense thanks for uh, joining us for another episode of uh, belt Loda. Uh, really appreciate you listening and we can't wait to see what happens next week until then we'll be back next week I should say don't forget uh, this week uh, uh, Sci-Fi Sunday where we watch two episodes of Star Trek and this week's all new episode of The Expanse every Sunday night at 8pm Eastern at twitch.tv slash baldmove it's always a good time hope to see you there until next time I'm Aaron and I'm Jim later later